Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's funny that I'm calling you from Scotland because I understand that you were raised on Scotland Island. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is very different from Scotland. I can imagine. Did you grow up there your whole life? Did you kind of stay in the same place or did you move around a little bit? No, for the first first decade of our life, um, yeah, we grew up there. Yeah, I mean, we moved around as in we got off the island. <laughs> but it was, you know, there were no shops or anything. There were about 800 people living on that island. And, um, yeah, we had a little tinny boat that we would race back and forth. Take to school. Um, yeah, took the ferry to school. It was pretty great. It was kind of hippie upbringing, you know, like and we would just leave home in the morning and run around as kids in the bush and bare feet and, you know, come back that evening. And obviously, like, no mobile phones, so it was just your mum would just ring up a whole bunch of houses on the island and be like, have anyone seen Ollie and Louie? And they'd be like, oh, I think I saw them down at the wharf, uh, you know, maybe two hours ago. And, like, that's as much as you get. Then we just turn up so it was pretty great it was feral it was pretty feral yeah feral. no one died <laughs> <laughs> yeah where uh, where did you go after that you were there for the first 10 years we, we uh we moved to the mainland <laughs> which is what which is just normal living but we, we would be like oh yeah can't wait to move on the mainland to be normal um it was it was only like a, a 500 meters away from the yeah kilometer away yeah. it's not it's yeah. not super remote this just time. meant that we didn't have to get a ferry and a boat whenever we wanted to go anywhere but yeah it was just still pretty great on the northern beaches of sydney and we're sort of still still there now yeah I and mean, we spent a lot of time overseas a lot of touring a bit of time in la but kind of never Apart from living in Sydney City, you know, kind of been based out of here our whole lives. But we do have a we do have a place which is a farm, which Louie and I acquired 
last year in lockdown, which is quite nice, which is, you know, six hours north and that's in the country, country Australians. Country Australians, mate, how are you going? <laughs> You've got quite a lot of family over here as well, though, don't you, in the UK? Yeah, mum's English. She's oh, um, okay. Oxfordshire. Oxford. Most of them are in Cambridge now. Cambridge, um, some in London. Yeah. And a few in a few in Oxford. Some in Kent. Yeah. Kent. And then a few in other <laughs> parts of Europe. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's good. And we are planning to move over there in, in June, um, at least for six months. So we'll come back for the Australian summer and hopefully go back over there again. But, yeah, we really want to have a bit of a sea change and be – you know, just concentrate on a different part of the part of the world. Like we play music right right down here in, in Australia and, and it's going well, but we just yeah, we'd like to, you know, try our luck, see if you you English and Scottish and you know, seem to dig the music. I remember speaking to an Australian band Tora maybe about six months back or so and they kinda of did the same thing where they moved from Australia to Amsterdam in the Netherlands and they said they found it incredible like creatively just the kind of possibilities that it opens up just being in a new place and kind of surrounding yourself in a new culture yeah yeah we know those guys a little bit we actually spoke to them about that it sounded sounded pretty great and it's I don't know it's quite a scary move just you know moving to the other side of the world but and especially when you're trying to move the whole band and <laughs> and everything so probably be easy for those guys they're also fucking good looking so the Tora guys <laughs> yeah. yeah they're like they're all models aren't they yeah <laughs> more models than musicians I remember we did a photo shoot with them and they were I remember we were we were pretty new to you know doing a fashion shoot and they were all going Pouting, pouting, so good looking, <laughs> which they are. Which they it's are naturally pout. Yeah, us yeah. looking like sloppy boys next to them, rag dolls, rag dolls. <laughs> do you still uh, do you still stay in a house with eight other people as well? We've still got quite a few housemates kicking about. Yeah, that's this house. Actually. Yeah, this one. Um, this is like an old helicopter hangar that we're in right now. Nice. Um, it's sort of our studio space. I'm actually not here. Um, I've sort of moved down the road, but yeah, there's eight people here and a million snakes and a bunch of redback spiders. I don't know if you know what they are, but they're not super nice. So terrifying here that I've just killed. Yeah. They will kill you. Yeah. They're quite dangerous spiders. So it's, it's, it's a pretty weird studio to be in because yeah, it's like very cliched Australian studio. Dodging spiders that'll kill you. Big snake skin <laughs> on the ceiling as well. Yeah, but yeah, it's a it's a good spot. It's like you know being able to have this space to to be creative. Like in Sydney, you know, we have house prices like like London rent you know rental prices. So it's like you don't. It's hard to get a big space like this. So yeah, pretty lucky. But you do have to live with eight people. <laughs> <laughs> How do you find that creatively though? Is it quite, can it be inspiring creatively to kind of be surrounded by people all the time and constantly have like stimulation socially going on? Not really. It's probably <laughs> more distracting, I think. Yeah, yeah. I feel like the isolation is probably the, the more creative way. It's creative in the way that we live with two other photographers and yeah, so there were some like chefs and people that, you know, do pottery. So there's people that are like always toying with things. So that that's you know not everyone here just works at a bank. I mean that would be pretty pretty dull. But it's yeah, <laughs> it's it's so it's quite it's quite nice in that way. One of the things I uh, 
One of the other things I wanted to ask about before we start digging into the new EP was Thrill Song, which I saw you posting about the other day. What is Thrill Song? Thrill Song, it, it started by, um, yeah, this, this, this other Australian artist, female artist called Jack River. Yeah, she, it was her idea, but we've Hillsong. Do you have Hillsong in the UK? No. Hillsong is like a massive religious mega church. You know, that um, Justin Bieber gets behind. I think it started in Australia. It's moved over and it's quite big in the States as well. But it's like these huge stadium church shows and like they have youth centres and like shit everywhere. And it's like, you know, incredibly religious. Um, sort of 40% of your wage has to go to the Hillsong Church. Something like that, yeah. Jesus. Out of it. Feels like, yeah. Yeah, it's... Um, and whatever, you know, some would say that, you know, it's great um, in lots of ways, but I don't know. I don't, I don't think so personally. And it's obviously a lot of money goes to the government. So right now we're going back into a lockdown. A lot of people have cancelled shows. A lot of people have t- cancelled tours and festivals. And bars, restaurants, clubs have all shut down. Well, not restaurants, but, you know, a lot of things have shut down. And then over the weekend we see this, massive festival going on thrown by by Hillsong you know and it's like all these kids praising Jesus but you know just really at the end of the day it's a festival just it looked exactly like a festival and um so we we started this super group band with a whole bunch of other artists and we called it Thrill Song and um, have joined forces to, you know, really get the word out there and show people like what's going on and how hypocritical this is because um, the government just turn a blind eye to that, you know. Yeah. Sporting matches and religious events are allowed to go ahead whilst, you know, all other musicians just lose their jobs for however long. It's not so much a dig at the, you know, religious organisation as it is towards like the the government sort of, you know, contradicting themselves. Yeah. It's interesting because, you know, I always think of Australia as kind of the midway point between Britain and America in terms of culture and the kind of society and the way that Australians seem to be as people. When it comes to religion, does that feel like something that's kind of closer to America and the UK? Because the UK were kind of mostly atheists here at this point. It's kind of moving towards that. That that part of it, you know, that's like, yeah. I think it's pretty, pretty huge. Yeah, the religious side. I'm. I mean, we're pretty oblivious to it, but it's, 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 it's big. Yeah, it's like we don't. I mean, we don't move in those circles, so it feels like it doesn't even exist. You know, it's like in the in Sydney city. I'd say it's predominantly atheist. Um, I don't know, agnostic at least or something. But it's like, but then you go slightly to, out to the west, and it just it feels like it is a huge thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, we are a Christian na- nation and the, and a lot of money goes to the government and it's just, um, interesting. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's quite frustrating, but, and that's, it does make, it does make it feel quite Bible belt American when something like that goes down. But other than that, I mean, yeah, don't really hear about it. A lot of bands come out of, um, about out of Hillsong, you know, they obviously have an audience right there where they're just instant crowd, <laughs> Instant worshippers. All I want you to do, I want you to put your hands together. I want to take a moment, a little moment of silence, a little moment of silence for Jesus and uh, buy my single. <laughs> when you say bands come out of Hillsong, is it religious bands or is it 
just kind of regular music? Oh, Christian rock stuff, and then some. Some of them like move across, yeah, transition over into the commercial market. But yeah, I mean, I'd be pretty tempted if someone was like, "Yeah, we'll we'll pay for your record, and um, you can play in front of thousand people." It's funny how they is it just music, or what else is kind of outlawed at the minute? Then because you can under when you say they're putting on religious, you know, festivals and sporting events. You understand it from the point of view of that's people's community and that's why they're leaving them on. But then why are they cutting out communities like music and are other communities affected by it too? I mean, I don't know. Our, our, our Australian music scene just gets like the shit end of the stick. It's um, like we're not a we're not a huge business, you know. It's like it's it's an art form. There's just there's just not much love for it. But you know, Australian musicians are the ones that really get behind these these large movements that that make a lot of change you know like the bushfires mm. uh, in australia musicians met raised so much money for the the fire brigade and the um you know animal the the wildlife organizations and and things like that black lives matter movements and um and it's just like musicians are kind of the first ones to to really want to get behind and and make change and then to like just the first thing to get shut down and the first thing to just get ignored as well. So, I mean, that just feels like where Australian music is at at the moment. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty tough. Just like, yeah. When there's, we're obviously very, that's why we have to be super vocal and, and put together like thrill song super group. Cause it's just like without, you know, absolutely slamming the government on social media. It's like, you just get zero attention. I mean, with, with Thrill Song, what are the kind of outcomes that you're looking for with it? Is it just to raise awareness for it in general, or is there a kind of an end goal? Not really. I mean, that was just a quick. That was a quick thing, you know. We just sort of like everyone was quite fed up of this, and like our healthcare workers are just um, suffering as well because like they're put under a lot of pressure and not getting the funding and support they need. So um, it was sort of to raise awareness there as well. But um, Australian musicians are quite um you know like we're australian music's talked about all across the world you know in a lot of ways like it's quite impressive music i think um you know it's so diverse as well yeah yeah like you know you hear of tame parlor or um i don't know like it's a lot of people in the states would be like yeah king is it and elizabeth or tame parlor or um troy savan or flume. or flume like there's these huge like the list is endless and it's like we could be quite a large industry um because we we do get attention but yeah unfortunately not unfortunately not with this new ep that you're bringing out as well that you've just brought out i know in the past you know i've read interviews with you where you spoke about with the debut record that you wrote like i think 60 songs worth you know you'll come up with a lot of material and kind of work out from there how much kind of came together in the few weeks that you spent with Idris working on this? Yeah, more than that was on the six tracks for sure. There was maybe 10 things that got 10. Yeah, maybe not even that much. I mean, we had like a limited amount of time with Idris, but there's definitely like one song that didn't make the record that was like fully finished and then a few other ideas that mm. we touched on. The song when it just went back to London, like the songs were quite different to what they are now. Like we had to spend a bit of time on the tracks afterwards, but the main goal was like 
to get the bones of the song down and then get all of Idris's vocals in there as much as possible so that we didn't feel like we didn't have enough. And then we could we could sort of like work on, you know, we got our drummer in, do some drums, our keys player in, do some keys, and um, and we just worked, you know, for a few weeks just like polishing it all up. So, yeah, that was quite quite nice but i don't know i think if idris had stayed we would have either just made an album so we made more songs or we would have like made more and then ditched more or something i don't know well we definitely would have kept making music because yeah it was fun and he was super enthusiastic was it different writing for someone else's voice like what you were saying there that one of the you know the main goals was to get the vocals down how did you find it kind of writing around someone else's vocal timbre yeah i think i mean he's it's it it's surprising like listening to someone else's sort of way they approach a song. Mm. I feel like maybe with us, we sort of, we have go-tos. And we know what each other is yeah. kind of potentially going to do maybe. So it's like with someone sort of like just, you know, spit something completely different, it can catch you off guard in yeah. a, like a pretty refreshing way. Yeah, he'd have like this sort of blabbering, we'd have like a shared notes document, you know, so we could all see what we were writing. We'd have this huge messy paragraphs of words and like you know he wouldn't even worry about spelling or anything so they just kind of didn't really know what it was and then each vocal tape was quite different like he would improvise around those words yeah it was quite like impressive his his flow would be different each time as mm-hmm. well so like we just let him do a few takes and like the more he did get more and more into it and like into this character that he'd sort of kind of put on for each thing and and then we would like change and amend things and be like oh what if it was more like this or you actually said this here and and it was all quite collaborative but um yeah definitely not two takes that were alike really yeah i think what we learned from him is just like absolutely getting lost in the um in the moment like we would just leave the uh recording going because if the track was still playing like that's when you'd really get some gold. He would just, I don't know. And what's not to like is that look at yourself. So, 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 so. And that was just him. Like, yeah, I don't know. At the end of the take, just going nuts. And yeah, what we probably have cut out is just us all cracking up in, <laughs> with laughter. So like some of that stuff is just gold and we just, we just keep it. Do you not sample one of them on what's not to like? You have that kind of bit where it goes into the the distorted kind of audio that sounds like it's just coming out of the studio. Yeah, yeah, of us just talking to each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, we did that in three separate takes, but I think Idris just started, like, talking to us in the take, you know? Yeah, the oh, Ollie, Louis, what do you – yeah, what's not to like about us, eh? Hey? And then we just <laughs> yeah, we just sort of put our vocal around it. Yeah. The original one that was in that bridge was him ordering a cup of tea. Oh, yeah, the- yeah. At the local, you know, coffee shop. Could I have a... Uh, yeah. Come a bit of Earl Grey. No, no. <laughs> Cold, a bit of Elba. Oh, uh, yeah. It's sort of like that in, in Holiday. Yeah, yeah. Cup of Cordielba. Yeah. Pint of Cordielba. He always... Yeah, he always felt like that was a drink, Cordielba, to him. It was like... That's how he said that name to us first. It was after we played a show um, in Sydney backstage, he goes... Hey, have you have you heard of that drink called Cordielba? And I was like, nah. He's like, what do you reckon? What do you think of the name? And I was like, I mean, that's yeah, it's an awesome name, but like, is that is that seriously it? Like, is that taking? He was just sort of like, 
he was trying on that name with us because he obviously wanted, you know, the album to be called Cordioba or the like this pseudo artist name to be called Cordioba. So that's what yeah. actors do, they riff. Yeah. Put on an act. Was that the show that you he came on stage and joined you at? Yeah. Yeah. Which we didn't quite know whether he wanted to or not. Like the week following up to that, it was like Oh yeah, we got this show on the weekend. He'd be like, "Oh, cool. Well, you know, I should jump on stage, hey?" <laughs> and we'd be like, "Yeah, yeah, you should." He go, "Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe I will then." You know, it was like neither of us really knew. Like, oh, I mean, you can't. Like, if you seriously want to, you can. Yeah, and then it's like, yeah, he was actually really stoked. I think he'd been thinking about it for a little while, but yeah, he was also quite nervous in a way. It's a, it's interesting seeing Idris Elba nervous. He was a bit nervous when he first got into the studio with us and a bit it's real pacey. Yeah. Sort of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Guys, 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 what do I, what, what do I say this on the mic? What do you think? What do you, what do you think if I ever said this? Like, yeah. Do yeah. it. Do it. Whatever <laughs> you, fine. whatever you want. <laughs> You're just Elba. Yeah. That was kind of, that was kind of cute in a, in a lot of ways. So it's actually quite, quite beautiful because he's, he is a confident man, but he's also just very passionate, very like, genuine and um just really stoked to be doing what he's doing kind of all the qualities you need to be a good songwriter yeah i guess so <laughs> i don't know if we like that though one of the it's interesting you were talking about the way that he kind of surprised you vocally quite a lot and you were kind of just when you're working with someone else in the studio you don't know what they're going to come up with and it can it can come out of nowhere one of the songs for me that I kind of felt that was Holy Moly. We have this really digital soundscape and then he kind of comes in with this really raw, you know, gravelly kind of restrained vocal. How did the two elements of that develop, the soundscape and the vocal side to it? Because they do feel like they pair really nicely together, but at the same time, they're at very opposite sides of the spectrum, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I know. He just sort of did it. Um, mm. Some of these things he would just start doing. I mean, it's, it's like that with music making with any of us doing any song sometimes the best stuff is just what you first feel and he obviously felt like doing that low vocal I and mean, the thing is he kept talking about doing a, a high vocal on top of it mm. i think he did do a few false song, right he yeah, yeah like layering an, an octave above that in the verses um you know modern day robin grand wishes online or something like that with a bit more energy but there's like no one there's not many people i know that can get that that low with, mm. with their voice. Like when he goes shit faced all the time, like yeah. I can never get that bottom note. <laughs> and he sends just, us these, um, you know, he sort of, you send him a text message and he'll, he'll always reply with like a, an audio. Know, he's one of those but, guys. Yeah. Sends her like an audio message back. <clears throat> and today I was, I had my speakers on pretty loud cause I was doing some music. And I played the played the audio and it just whacked me in the face. <laughs> yeah. It was like it hit the sub so hard. Yeah. <laughs> He's got a big, big voice. Big man with a big voice. When you're in this process, you know, you're all contributing ideas lyrically, how long does it take for you to kind of lose sense of the ideas that you contribute and the ideas that he contributes and it kind of just becomes this new one thing yeah true i don't know it's hard to know what i guess if you open up the projects and like listen back to the first takes it'd be interesting to see how different they were but i think with that like holy moly song he just had that ching 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 thing oh in the actual song demo and that's like all he had yeah and then that, that was quite a quick one that came together i think that was like a 
yeah, but I guess in turn, like lyrically, I don't know. It would um, we are kind of constantly going back and forth, um, you know, with with song just su- suggestions, and it was it was always very very collaborative. So things were constantly changing and moving, and yeah, if you listen to earlier takes, it the you know phrasing is probably very different. Apple Crumble, for instance, like the demo was just the piano and then the chorus in in gibberish, and like he just took to the the just how that felt from the start. I mean, I had bass and and drums in there as well, but it was just the instrumental and just the chorus in 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 gibberish. I think we put that together as as like a lime cordial song, but I had no idea where that would possibly go because it sounds quite childlike and and doesn't really didn't necessarily fit felt like it would fit into the Lime Cordial universe. But as soon as he got on onto it, obviously felt enthusiastic straight away and just started belting out that verse, you know, and and it, like it just felt so good, like in the exact same tone as it is now, enthusiastically writing those lyrics down quickly because it was mm. obviously just pouring out of him. And then that story formed and that was quite an easy song to put together. But um you know, it just his voice in those verses. It just it like it just fits it so well. I cannot imagine what we would have done. You know, doing that. I actually put that up on TikTok as like an open verse challenge to see what what anyone else would do in those verses because it's like interesting to see people coming back there because it's like can't really imagine that not being interest now. What you're saying there, you know, with the whole the process of making this and moving at such pace and it had such a momentum behind it when you were in the studio at what point did you start to get perspective and kind of get a full picture of how the thing was going to fit together as a whole and these six tracks were kind of going to sit uh i don't know if we really yeah really did like it's just that naturally each of those songs were quite different um and towards the very end of his time we we had a few choices on which songs to concentrate on because we had a, a we had like a very reggae song we had holiday um but at that point was just like quite a house dance banger that he was um that he was working on and wanted to like wanted to work on and then we had another one they were working on which was like came from this polynesian sample um that i'd found but yeah so we had those three songs and we ended up going with holiday because it just felt you know it felt like we wanted to have a bit of idris in ibiza <laughs> yeah, DJ. I think with that one as well, particularly with the way it starts, it's kind of possibly the most restrained song in the EP, and it kind of does give it a more of a balance overall. You're kind of leaning more into the quieter side of it. You say holiday is? Yeah, yeah. It, it is quite stripped back, particularly at the start. At one, at one point, it was like pretty. It was pretty dancey, pretty full on from the top of the song. Yeah, that's right. And I think maybe it was just like a, a, a little too much. Yeah. For us, I think, I mean, I not a little too much. Maybe it was just like, I think we just wanted space for him to maybe just, you know, mm. remix it or someone to remix it. Yeah. He was very good at like just letting us do the thing musically. Um, you know, he'd have suggestions sometimes, but well, he had always had suggestions, but it was like we would sometimes start doing more guitar-y things and start working on the track and, and then realize that we should just be concentrating on on Idris's vocals and melodies and things. So we actually had to do the music quite quickly. We had to be like, all right, what if we go to this chord and this chord? So that we could like, all right, cool, let's get some more 
Idris vocals down and um, work on these lyrics and melodies. But um, yeah, I think the great thing about that is we were quite quick, especially initially, because we thought he was maybe maybe just like he would lose interest. He or, would lose interest <laughs> or go and yeah, was, or get busy. And there was moments where he'd be on his phone. You're like, oh, he's he's obviously you know he's got a fucking a thousand emails to reply to right now. But he would always he like would never you know be responding to people. It was always just working on lyrics, working eh? on lyrics, yeah, writing. Yeah, that was always crazy. I just don't understand how. Like, so I feel like I find it hard to not be on emails and answering phone calls in the studio. But he would, he would seriously like never be on his phone. He had two phones as well. No idea why. We had two phones, and um, and we're just like I feel like they were constantly buzzing and things. He would just never. Never care. It's like he was completely into just doing what we're doing in the room and mm. um, probably people con- trying to contact him the whole time. <laughs> yeah. I guess, I'm- <laughs> I guess you must find a way to tune that out or it would just drive you insane. Yeah, you sure. have to, hey. Yeah, I'm trying to get better at, at that. Yeah, if you're, in, out. if you're in music mode, just tune out, ignore people. When it comes to guitars as well, Ollie, I was reading an interview with you where you spoke about the fact that, you know, you'll often go home and work on a guitar part for a few hours and kind of build it together. Where did you find the space for that in the studio this time around when it was kind of so fast moving? Was it easy to kind of find a place to do that? We didn't really have the time. That was, I guess with this one, it was a bit more on the spot. Yeah. And I don't know, there was, it was like quite a, just a creative space. And um, I don't know, we were in a very good space creatively that we were just quite, I don't know, things were coming out that just were good <laughs> in our opinion at the time. And and we didn't feel like we we're getting bogged down too much. Yeah. Like there's that guitar line that goes through the verses of Holy Moly, which I don't know, just visualize something to be kind of weird and yeah, bendy and a bit abnormal. And so that just sort of came out the guitar line in like, what's not to like, you know, that was, did that guitar line come first or was it more the la, 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 la? Yeah, I think, I think it was, was more the chanting. To, yeah, copy the melody. Yeah, so that was a melody and, and yeah, we decided to just sort of make it a fuzzy guitar line. But um, It's really strokesy, that one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it does have, but like, strokes are a huge influence for us, so that's, that's cool. But there was not much, there was a, there was a little bit of going home um, and working on things just to, like, push the sessions forward so that, um, you know, we could be ready to put down more of his um, vocals the next time we're in and things like that. But, yeah, it was very much just like go, go, go. Yeah, we were the lazy ones compared to Idris for sure. Yeah, one point at 10 p.m. at night or something, it was like we were just finishing up on a session. Could have been later. Could have been midnight. And we, I just said, like, oh, when can you get back in again? And he's like, oh, okay, so tomorrow I've got a shoot that starts at midday. So, I mean, I could, I could be in here at, like, 6 a.m. tomorrow. And we were just like, hmm, <laughs> nah. <laughs> it was, like, incredible. It's just, yeah, every moment just wanted to do it. And I think that came from, like, you know, I think he he has a few regrets of not doing more music earlier on in life. He always did his DJing, but his wife told us um, that, like, well, she said, you know, it's so good that 
he's doing this because I think he it's it's like filling a hole that he you know sometimes he feels like he's in the wrong industry and we're just like yeah okay it must be tough being like a major Hollywood actor <laughs> um, but a struggling actor but he also told us that you know like he got COVID right at the start he was in in the states and it was when like. You didn't know anyone that had COVID. And so he got locked away and he just thought he was asymptomatic, like nothing, it didn't feel anything. But, um, you know, he just thought he was going to die. He was actually pretty scared. Um, and it would have been scary back then when you had no idea what it was. And um, so it was kind of like he had this, a bit of an epiphany of being like when he came out of that, like, oh, shit, what are the things that I really want to do? And I think music making was was a, something that he felt like he hadn't done enough of. So that's why he'd really, you know, when he came to Australia, he was like, okay, when I'm doing this film, I want to be doing some music making as well. And I think he's doing that back in England as well. He just, yeah, he wants to be in the studio more. For you guys, you know, looking ahead, what do you feel like you've gained from this process? What have you kind of learned from it about your own sound and the way that you work and what do you feel like you'll carry forward from it? It's probably given us a bit of confidence, like for Idris Elba to be impressed at our with our musicianship is <laughs> quite nice, you know, because like being like we we knew who he was beforehand, right? And it's like um you, when when you know who someone is, but you're like you don't you don't know them personally, they're just like in, they're just anyone's like a godlike character in a way, you know. Like you think of any celebrity or or musician that you look up to, they're just like this godlike character because you don't know them. You just think they're sort of perfect, and then and they come in and they're like impressed with what you're doing and um, impressed in the studio. And sometimes you feel like, oh, you know, can we make it? album with Idris or is he gonna has he worked with other like amazing artists that that will and he won't mm. be impressed with how we do stuff but like the fact that he was and he wanted to keep doing stuff and he felt like he was learning from us as well like that I think that yeah I think we got a lot a bit of confidence out of that can be a bit more open with our music making don't have to like hide away and yeah feel like fakes or something <laughs> It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.